Active FM presents Food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anslin. Radio. Obviously, Charles mentioned about fighting. And uh, why does the fighting happen? Why do we fight with people? We fight with people because we can't see. And so we've been talking, it's the second week now, we were talking about destroying the limitations. And this week the sermon is entitled, I want to see. And I'll read to you from Mark chapter 10, verse 46 to 52. And this is talking about Jesus as he's going through the towns. And it says, now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. So in other words, wherever Jesus is, there's a lot of people. And this is the first thing that you need to understand. Wherever Jesus is, there's a lot of people. So if you're like Jesus, there's going to be a lot of people with you. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. In other words, they told him to shut up. This guy's crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Shut up, man. You're making a noise. That's what they're saying. And then it, and then it goes on, it says, um, the many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Have you heard Jesus ask you that this morning? Have you even spoken to him this morning? You know, if you spoke to Jesus, he's going to say to you, What do you want me to do for you today? He's not going to tell you what he wants for me to do for you in 2025. He's going to say to you, What do you want me to do for you today? Jesus is a today kind of God. Today he wants to have a relationship with you. Today he wants to do it with you. Today he wants to be involved in your life. And then the blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I want you to notice there. He says to him, your faith, your believing in me, your trusting in me, your believing what the Bible says without reservation has made you well. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So we see the blind man. We see him there on the side of the road. And a little while later we see the same blind man But his condition has changed. He's now able to sing that famous old hymn. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. Now he's able to walk through the streets and he's able to look at you and say, Hey, I see you. Before that he couldn't say that. And so his condition changed because Jesus said it changed because of his faith. 
And the question we need to ask ourselves, so how did Jesus see his faith? Because if we understand how Jesus saw his faith, maybe we'll begin to understand today how Jesus will see our faith. And I really want to challenge you with that. Where are you in terms of having faith? Because faith is a very important thing as we're going to see. So how does Jesus recognize your faith? Well, the first thing that has to happen, it doesn't happen in him because he's already done whatever he's going to do. The first thing that has to happen is that you have to recognize your condition. I want you just to think about blind Bartimaeus. He's sitting there and um, he's blind and it says he was blind from birth. Now, I want you to imagine, imagine if you were born blind. Imagine if your eyes have never seen. How would you know you're blind? You see, you don't know what it is to see. So how would you know you're blind? And I want to tell you there's only one way he could have known he was blind and that someone had to tell him. Someone had to tell him, blind Bartimaeus, there's a whole world out there that you're not able to take in. There's light rays, there's red, yellow and green and there's the prime colors and there's the other colors and there's all of these colors, there's this majesty, there's a view from God's window in Mpumalanga. All of these things that you haven't seen. There are plants and there are deserts. There are oceans. There's a sky. There's SpaceX. Hallelujah. And Blue Origin. <laughs> yes. There are planets. There are stars. There's a moon. Now, when he hears that he's blind, he doesn't really know what they're talking about. Because he's never seen. All he knows is some elements. And, you know, if you look at people, people are spiritually blind. Without Jesus, they are spiritually blind. And they know some elements about the fact that they are blind. But they don't really know what's going on. One of the ways I like to put it is, people are walking around through life and because of what's going on in the spiritual world and because of the fact that they're spiritually blind, they keep bumping into things and things are hurting them and things are bruising them and they don't know what it is. They don't know where it's coming from. And they're getting hurt. And they don't know why. Blind people only know they're blind if someone tells them that they're blind. And you know, the first thing you have to realize is that it takes faith for a blind person to believe that they're blind, that they're things that they can't see. And whenever we start arguing with someone who knows more than us, the problem is we don't know what we don't see. And so if you're spiritually blind, how will you know? You will not know it from your experience. You will know you're hurt. You will know you've got issues. You will know you've got pains. But you will not know why. Someone has to tell you. Many times when you see someone getting physically sick, they have to go to a doctor. Sometimes the doctor just can diagnose. Other times the doctor has to do certain tests. All the person knows is it's sore. But they don't know what's wrong until someone tells them. 
Now we spoke a little about this last, last week, but sinners are blinded by Satan. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 and 4 from the New King James. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, those who are dying, those who are in the clutches of the devil. To those people, the gospel is veiled. They cannot see it. And then in verse 4, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. So the God of this age has blinded their minds. They are blind. They cannot see. Sometimes maybe we're people of faith, we're Christians, and we're frustrated with them. But they cannot see. Imagine blind Bartimaeus, we say, right from the back there, other side there where there's a pool table. We say, blind Bartimaeus, come here. And then he's bumping into things, maybe walking into pillars, walking into chairs. He knocks your seat and he gets into your social distancing space. And now you want to shout at him. But how can you shout at him? He can't see. And that's what happens with people that don't know the Lord. The God of this age has blinded them who do not believe, lest the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So the gospel of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ shines on them. But they're blind. What happens if you're blind and a light shines on you? You can't see it. You need sight to be able to see the light. That rhymed. It was an accident. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 and 4 from the NLT says, Satan who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Blinded means you don't have faith. It, that's what it means, because when you have faith, you can see into the spiritual realm. You can see into the spiritual dimension. And this is something you need to understand. And in the spiritual sense, Every one of us needs vision. Every single one of us needs vision. Because if we don't have vision, we're blind. And what is vision? Another thing, another term that you can use for vision. Vision is foresight. Foresight is you can see what's coming in the fore. Foresight means that you can see what's coming in the front of you. Foresight means you have some understanding of what's going to happen in the future. Foresight means you realize that if I do X, Y, and Z, then probably these things over here are going to come about. There are probably going to be some repercussions, some consequences of what I do over here. Maybe I should adjust what I'm doing. If we don't have foresight, we end up saying, if only I had known, if only I had known, if only I had known, I would have done it differently. When we say that, it's because we're blind, we're lacking in faith. Ignorance means you've done something, it could be a big mess. It could be such a big mess that someone could die. But you didn't do it on purpose. So I'm not even worried about the stuff you did wrong that you did on purpose. Let's talk about the stuff that you did wrong and you didn't do it on purpose you did it because you were ignorant. You know, often you sit down with people and you're talking to them about X, Y, Z and why did you do this? Oh, I didn't know it was wrong. Or why didn't you do that? Oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do it. So that's ignorance. And, and here's the problem. We carry the consequences of our ignorance. I want you to write that down. We carry the consequences of our own ignorance. 
And therefore, because there are consequences that come out of our ignorance, we should have known. It's actually not good enough to say, I didn't know. It's no excuse. And let me tell you something. There's that story of that lady cop in America. She thought she was shooting a guy with a taser. And the next thing she shot him with a gun. And you can see from the video, she didn't realize. She thought she had a taser. The moment she shot him, she says, she starts reading and says she shot him. Does that family of that man care? You see, the world doesn't care if we didn't do it on purpose. The world only cares that we did it. And when we're blind, this is where we're going to keep falling into. And sinners are blinded by their condition. In Ephesians 4 verse 17 to 20. This I say therefore testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. In the futility which is the uselessness of their mind. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. So why do people sin? Because their minds are futile or useless. I don't know what your blindness is. As you're sitting here today, I don't know what the futility or the uselessness of your mind is. I don't know what's causing it. Is it caused by, by, by the blindness of your heart? You know, you just go on living your life and you think that you're okay. When everyone around you looks at you and says you're not. Or we're blind because we compare ourselves to ourselves. Or we compare ourselves to others. Or when we're comparing ourselves to others, we're looking for the lowest common denominator. We're looking for the, the worst. So we compare ourselves to Adolf Hitler. And then we say, no, you know, I'm pretty good. I haven't killed six million Jews. I don't hate black people. I'm good. I haven't killed anyone. You know that famous one? No, I think I'm a good person. Well, I haven't killed anyone. As long as I'm not as bad as Hitler, I'm okay. As long as I'm not as bad as HF Wood, I'm okay. Now, I want you to think about that. God's not going to ask me about Hitler when I face him. Now, what is that that has blinded you? Is it this? Or maybe it's lust. Maybe you're blinded by lust. And so you keep getting hurt in relationships, but the reality is you're blinded by lust. Maybe you're blinded by money. You think that money is going to bring you everything that you want. You need money. Don't get me wrong. You need to budget. Don't get me wrong. You want to be blessed by God financially. Yes, I agree. Don't get me wrong. But is your love of money blinding you? Are you consumed by the need for validation? Are you consumed by the need to get a pat on the back? Are you consumed by the need to be accepted? All these things blind us. 
And Jesus spoke about this. He spoke about the blind leading the blind. And he says, if a blind man needs another blind man, then both are going to end up in the ditch. And so you think you're okay. you got all of this stuff going on. You know there's a mess. You know there's hurt. You know there's this. You know there's that. Who said you were okay? Was it your leaders who said you were okay? Was it the media who said you were okay? Was it your friends who said that you were okay? Regarding those you listen to, is it a case of the blind leading the blind? Jesus speaks about them in Matthew 15, 12 to 14. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? You notice the Pharisees and many people got offended with Jesus. So when you're hearing the word, be careful when you're offended. You don't want to be one of the Pharisees. And Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. That's a chilling, chilling statement right there. Every plant not planted. Uh, not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted. In other words, if you haven't been implanted in God, you will be uprooted. So ignore them. These were the leaders of the church. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Just because you have position, just because you have money, just because you have an education does not mean that you are not blind. What is blinding you? Is it your bitterness and your offense that is blinding you? You're offended. And tomorrow when you go to work or you go to wherever, you're going to have a chat about whatever you're offended about with your offense buddy. Be very careful with how you speak to your family. Because unless you realize you're blind, no one can help you. If blind Bartimaeus did not know that he was blind, he was not going to call out to Jesus. He understood he was blind. And so when he heard about Jesus, the next thing he did was he cried out, Jesus! Son of David! Have mercy on me! I want to tell you that this is what happens when a person hears about their condition. When a person hears about where they really stand before mighty God, they don't care what other people think about them. They don't give two hoots about what society says. I mean, this guy, they were telling him to shut up. Hey, shut up, man. Yeah, I'm going to clap you. You won't even see where it's coming from. Ha, 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 because you're blind. And what does he do? He says, clap me, Jesus. Son of David! Shouts even louder. I hope it sounded louder. Or supposed to. Quiet, man. Don't call out to Jesus. Don't speak about Jesus here. That name offends us. I want you to realize the things in the world that offend today. The target of the enemy is to get that to the name of Jesus. Mark says he shouted all the more. Listen to me about Bartimaeus. He wasn't going to let a bunch of negative, critical, heckling bystanders rob him of his dream. And his dream was that he would see. He cried for mercy. 
is Christ, have mercy on me, and he doesn't ask for healing. He asks for mercy. Many people are so full of themselves, they start shouting out when there's stuff that they want. Maybe it's a healing, maybe it's money. They start shouting, where are you, God? Where are you, God? You know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm such a good person. You know, God, I came last week and I put money in the, t- in the offering. I have a right to this, God. I, I have a right to this. And the question is, what right? What right? We're at the mercy of God. If you don't come to God with that attitude, all right, you have a problem. Blind Bartimaeus, he cries out with this attitude knowing that just to be alive is a privilege. Understanding that mercy can only be granted to the guilty. In order to receive mercy, you have to be guilty. And we're all guilty before we go through the cross. The only time the guilt is no longer there is when we've gone through the cross. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And our sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. If you don't acknowledge you're guilty, you can't receive mercy. Before a person can be saved, they have to come the humble way. They have to become the humble way, realizing their, their state. And Jesus does not and cannot and will not save the proud and the arrogant. Bartimaeus did not demand his own rights. He came with no demand. All he came with was a, was a plea for mercy. When you're crying out for mercy, you know you don't deserve it. You're asking. And we live in a society where people are always demanding their rights. If we, if we really got what we deserved, what we'd receive is an eternity in hell. We're not saved because we have a right to be saved. All right, it's not like we're going to go there without Jesus and stand there before the pearly gates and St. Peter's going to check our names and all of that kind of stuff. It's not like we're going to stand there holy without the blood of Jesus. There's no right to heaven. There's a spirit of humility on Bartimaeus. And Titus 3 verse 5 says that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It starts there. And so he's cried out for mercy, and Jesus noticed him, and when Jesus called him, he was given the good news. I want to tell you that when you recognize where you are, and you cry out to Jesus, he will call you, and when he calls you, he'll give you the good news. And Jesus heard him, and he stood still. I want, to, I want to ask you, are you crying out for Jesus that he's walking along and he stands still? If you will cry out to him, he will stand still. He will hear you. This man's faith got Jesus' attention. And then he went over and said, I've got some good news. Now you know, that's what I do as a pastor. I go over to people and I tell them I've got good news. And that's what you do as a Christian. I've got good news. And the good news is never about me. When you tell people the good news is never about you, it's never, oh, I'm so good, I'm so magnificent, I'm exactly what you need, you're not. You could be exactly what they need and tonight you have a stroke and die. Or someone puts a bullet through your head and you die. And guess what? You are useless to that person. No preacher, no prophet, 
no apostle, no businessman, no guru, no nothing, no human being anywhere is God. And we're just the messengers. We're just telling people the good news. We're telling people what the word says. You know, sometimes we go and we, we give people advice and then we're offended when they don't listen to us. Well, who died and made you God? Why must they listen to you? You're not God. And that's why I'm careful every time I speak to people, I make every effort. I don't always get it right, but I make every effort to speak from the Bible. Why? Because <laughs> who the hell am I? We evangelize. We give the message. We give the good news. We call people to the one who heals. We call people to the one who delivers. We call people to the one who saves. What did the blind man do? We read in that passage that he took off his garment. What is that garment symbolic of? It's symbolic of his lifestyle. He lived in this garment as a blind beggar. It, re it, it represented all of the restrictions that were upon his life. It represented his limitations. It represented the impossibility of him ever being able to see. The coat said, I am blind, therefore I cannot do anything for myself. I cannot provide for myself. And everywhere he went, he would be recognized by the beggar's garment. And therefore, the question is, am I a beggar? Am I a beggar? Then I want you to realize something. You cannot be a beggar and change. You have to throw off the old life or your new life won't change. You've got to come to the Lord and say, I don't want this lust. I don't want to be ruled by money. I, I don't want to be living without faith. I don't want to just trust in myself. You throw off all of your stuff, all of your issues. You throw off your bad identity. And you do what Bartimaeus did. What did Bartimaeus do? When he was called, he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. It was an act of faith. Then Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You need to diligently seek God. And he will come. If you cry out, he will come. And so he came to the right person. And when you need a miracle, where do you go to? You need to go to the Lord. Because all of the philosophies of men are going to leave you in total blindness. Every philosophy of men that you hear is tainted with blindness. Only Jesus can open blind eyes. And only when he came to Jesus did Jesus ask him, what do you want me to do? He only answers and asks you a question when you come to him and your heart's right. You recognize where you're at. You recognize that you need him. Your heart's right. Now he says, what do you want me to do? Only then do you allow Jesus to work. You see, Jesus won't work before that because you don't allow him and he's given you free will. He will only work when you allow him because he will not go against your will. 
Only then can he give you a sight back. And so Jesus heals him. And it says in, in verse um, 52, then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. So the question is, do you want to see? And I want you to notice that Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Your faith will make you well and give you vision. And then what does he do? He follows Jesus. The, 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 the other part of that verse, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So what does he do when he receives his sight? He starts following Jesus. He starts becoming a disciple of Jesus. A disciple is someone who follows with the intent to go. Who follows with the intent to become. Later on in the book of Acts, the apostles were healing people just like Jesus did. Blind eyes were being opened just like they were with Jesus. And he fulfilled the mandate of Jesus on his life. Telling others is he followed Jesus on the road. There's a story I once heard from Pastor Bert. He was talking about this missionary that was in Africa. And um, a man was, was, was brought to him that was blind. He was blind, he was poor, he had cataracts. And so this, this missionary was a surgeon. And he did the surgeon to, to take the cataracts off this man's eyes. And so after the operation, the man could see. And he was so excited. And he saw a world that he hadn't seen for years. It changed his life. It changed everything. But then after a day or two, he disappeared out of the hospital where they had done the, the surgery. And they were concerned about him. What has happened to this man? But a few days later, he pitched up with 10 other blind people on a rope. And he brought them to the same missionary. So that the same operation could be done for them. So that they too could see. You know when you meet Jesus. You want to lead people to him. Because he's so awesome. When you really have faith. Your faith becomes contagious. And I want to tell you that genuine faith. Is a contagious faith. A genuine faith. Cannot wait to tell others. And to point others to God. And to follow Jesus. Because when your life has been touched and transformed, you cannot wait to bring others to Jesus. And I'm asking you today, do you have a contagious faith? Has your life been touched and transformed by Jesus? Is Jesus real to you? I'm asking you today, do you know Jesus on a personal basis? You know, I want to read to you from Luke 18, verse 28 to 30. Because maybe you're sitting there, and sometimes people think, yo, but now I have to give up so much for Jesus. It's so terrible. I have to, I have to give up my life. I'm, I'm not going to have anything. And you know, in Luke chapter 18, many people left Jesus because of that. In John chapter 6, many disciples left Jesus because of that. They got offended with him and they turned coat and they walked right out of there. Because they got offended. And they said, Jesus, you're asking for too much. In Luke 18, 28 to 30, it says, Peter said, Master, see, we have left all that we have. Our houses and our careers to follow you. Listen to that. We have left all that we have, our houses and our careers to follow you. Jesus replied, listen to my words. Now, how many of you realize if Jesus says, listen to his words, we better listen. He says, listen to my words. Anyone who leaves his home behind 
and chooses God's kingdom over wife, children, parents, and family. It will come back to him many, many more times in this lifetime. He says what you leave for him, it will come back many, many more times in this lifetime. What he's saying is, if you lay your life down, if you surrender, what you will receive in return in this life is many, many more times that which you gave up. And then he goes on, he says this, and in the age to come, he will inherit even more than that. He will inherit eternal life. I want to ask you today a question of reality. And the question of reality is a question I ask myself. And the question I ask myself is this. Am I addicted to me? Or am I addicted to he? Last week we spoke about that the devil has many traps to do his works. And the works are that which energizes you. And when he energizes you, you don't want to read the Bible. You know the Bible's a piece of heaven? But when the, the enemy energizes you, you don't want to read the Bible. You don't want to pray. You may not want to go to church or you, 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 you see it as a hassle. It's inconvenient. It may even be dangerous. Nowadays it's dangerous to go to church in the minds of many. You don't want to attend a cell. You don't want to join the life cross. And I want to tell you about the Pharisees that Jesus spoke about. You know those Pharisees? We read about them there earlier where Jesus spoke about them as being the blind to lead the blind. No Pharisee will ever come up to you and tell you about Jesus. They're not going to tell you about Jesus. If they come and tell you about something, it's going to be about them. Or it's going to be about sport. Or for the ladies knitting. It's a joke. What is the alternative? Being addicted to he. If we're like this, we will change. And when we change, our homes will change. And when our homes change, our communities will change. And when our communities change, our cities will change. And when our cities change, our provinces will change. And when our provinces change, our nation will change. And when our nation changes, our continent will change. I, I want to tell you that God is sitting there by you today. And he's, he's, he's speaking to you and he's, he's speaking about faith. And it's a verse we read every week, Romans 10, 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God is so desperate to be a part of your life. That he sent his son to die on the cross for you. God is so desperate to... To, to, um, to have you living with him in eternity. That not only did he allow, but the Bible says it pleased him for his son to shed his blood for you. That blood which washes away your sin. That blood which gives you the authority to get into heaven. That blood which gives you the authority to pray for the sick. That blood which gives you the authority to walk in the throne room of almighty God and ask him for whatever's on your heart. 
That blood is more powerful than anything else on the face of this planet. Because it doesn't just do things in this life. It does things for eternity. And so I want to really encourage you today to realize that when you're looking at this stuff, your eternity is at stake. God is saying, I'm coming to you right now. And I need you to recognize where you're at, that you need me. I need you to recognize that all of your life, every breath that you have, everything you have is because of me. And that without me, you die. And then he says, I need you to recognize what I did to you, uh, for you through my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Spirit, he raised him from the dead. And because the blood of Jesus washes our sin away, those of us who die in Christ, we too will be raised up from the dead by the same Holy Spirit when Jesus comes back for his church. And so I want to encourage you, don't struggle against this today. Don't, don't say, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. You're ready for this. You're totally ready for this. You're totally ready to come to the altar of Almighty God because the altar sanctifies everything. Absolutely everything is sanctified at the altar. And when you respond to God, you're saying, God, I'm calling out to you. I want to commit to you now because I know that without you I don't have any hope. I can't wait until later because I don't want to walk another moment without you. I don't want to be blind anymore. I want to see. I want to commit to you now. I want to commit to you right now and I want to walk with you from this day forward because Lord, I don't want to live eternity far from you. I'm so desperate to live with you for eternity, Lord. Lord, the desperation is just reverberating all inside of me. This is what you're saying. And you're saying, please, save me. Live close to me so that when it comes time for me to die, that I won't need to be afraid. Because you're with me. Your rod and the staff, your staff, they comfort me. Where you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And my enemies includes my death. My death and Satan and all of them, all of my enemies, they're going to have to watch as I enjoy an everlasting meal with you. My meal is going to be a blessing for me and as much of a blessing it is to me, it's going to curse them. I want to live close to you from this day forward so that my death won't affect me because I'll now be with you forever. And so I'm going to ask you right now to close your, your eyes. And let's pray together. I just want you as we pray just to put your right hand on your heart. Because this is a decision that comes from your heart and I want you to picture Jesus who died on the cross for you. And that blood which was incredibly powerful then it was so powerful that when the last drop of blood dripped out of Jesus and he breathed his last and he died, the impact was so great that the earth shook. The skies went dark. And the veil in the temple which separated the people from the presence of Almighty God tore in half. 
It's a shedding of blood that reverberates today. It's the same blood that is reverberating through the spiritual realm and through eternity today. It's the same blood that will save you and cleanse you and redeem you and bring you back to the Lord today. It is everlasting. And I want you to see Jesus is doing it for you. So I'm going to ask you to repeat after me as we pray. Say, Lord Jesus, today I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. And I renounce my life of sin. I accept your sacrifice. Knowing that it was the price you paid for my redemption. And I ask today, Lord, that the blood of your wounded body would wash me of all my rebellion and all my sin. That you'd set me free from any sickness and any pain. Lord, I accept that my debt has been paid and that there's no outstanding balance. You paid everything for me at the cross of Calvary. I accept that by your blood I'm justified and you see me as I've never sinned. And that by that same blood I am sanctified, and you have chosen me to serve you. I am willing to serve you, Lord. And so today I open the door of my heart, and I invite you to come in as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me and for giving me eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Every word.
Of hell.